I'm so glad that you're able to be with us again as we open the Word of God. Our series at the moment is going to be called very simply Convictions, Confessions and Conversions in a Pig Pen. And we're going to turn firstly to Psalm 51. And here we find a man, a king, among all the kings of the earth, revered and loved and honoured, and yet living in a personal pig pen. A man that had violated that which was hitherto very, very dear to him, and that was his sanctified walk with God. He knew that he had a calling of God upon his life. He knew that God Almighty had anointed him above all his peers, his own brothers, those of his nation, even above his father and mother. He had been anointed by the prophet according to God's direction to be the king of Israel. Of course, I'm talking about King David. And when we come to Psalm 51, this is a great prescription for us all who have ever been in a pig pen. And would you believe my words to you today is that we've all been there? Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have to understand what the glory of God is, of course. It's his holiness, it's righteousness, his amazing glory. That's why we hid, as it were, our faces from him. In our lost condition, in our alienation from God through sin, we are cast down within our very souls. Adam and Eve showed that when they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Remember that? And then they were cast out of that great garden that God had provided for them. And as they went, they were bowed with the burden of sin. Many years ago, and even up to the present time, we sing that song, Would you be free from your burden of sin, this power in the blood? And we know that there is such a burden by being sinful and cut off from the person and the presence, the will and the blessing of God. We were created to know him. We were created to walk with God in intimacy and fellowship. But sin came in by our invitation, certainly in our forefathers, Adam and Eve, and down through the ages to the present time, it's engulfed the human nature of every human being. King David had this wonderful blessing in his life, the privilege of serving God, serving Israel, being a beloved king. But he slipped into an awful sin, a sin that, like so many sins, began to compound within him. And he began not only to sin in one way, but then that, of course, led to another sin and to another sin. The sin of lust, and then fulfilling that lust with Bathsheba. The bearing of a child that should never have been born. 
and then covering it up and trying to and then finally succeeding in getting Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to be in a vulnerable place in the battle. And of course he was slain. And so he was complicit to murder. And then all of a sudden he feels that it's okay now and he marries Bathsheba. You know, we try to cover up and we try to excuse and we try to mop up the mess we make in our sinful way. And of course the prophet comes to him and in simplicity and in authority, Nathan the prophet talks to David and he says, you are under arrest. Oh no, those words aren't mentioned in the scripture. But he was virtually saying, God has come to you now and you're standing before him, the judge of the whole earth, and you're condemned. And thankful we are, and thankful we should be, when given the opportunity to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And this is what David did. In fact, he says these words. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He realises that he's not guilty of one, but many sins, and he wants them blotted out. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me how many people how many of us have been dogged by the things that we have become the things we entered into the the sins that we committed the misdeeds and all that went with it the living a lie the projecting of self-confidence when inside we were cracking up, breaking up, self-condemned, self-despising. This is where David was. This is a real pig pen. And here he says, I acknowledge, I acknowledge, I acknowledge my transgressions. Isn't that amazing? Do you know, acknowledging your sin recognizing your need and confessing it that's the threshold for the release of God's mercy into your life and this is what he says I acknowledge my transgressions and I can't escape the sin it's there every day it was ingrained in his psyche it was in his soul it troubled him in his mind it troubled him in his emotions it interfered with every relationship. And when the people began to cheer and honour and laud and lift him up because he was a beloved king, he knew inside that he was virtually, virtually, I am false, I am a failure, I am a liar. And these people have no idea that their king is a fake. But unfortunately, word does get around and people did come to know of his sins. 
I acknowledge my sins before you, my sins, my transgressions, the ones that are dogging me and breaking my spirit. And then he says something that is so important for us to realise. He says here, against you and you only have I sinned. You know, sin is a violation of the law. In other words, as the Apostle says, sin is lawlessness. God has given mankind the law of God of righteousness, of truth. The glory of that law is holiness. And we have violated that. We have fallen short of that. And so he indeed says it quite rightly, I acknowledge my transgressions and it's against you, Lord, that I have sinned. Oh yes, I did wrong by Uriah. I did wrong by Bathsheba. I did wrong. Oh, how I did wrong by the nation, by my family, by my wives, by everything that I should be and should have done and been known for, a righteous dynasty. I've sinned against that, but... Over and above it all, I have sinned against you. I have done evil, this evil, in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak. He talks about his nature being born in sin, shapen in iniquity. He says, O oh Lord, I know that you long for truth in the inward parts. You look through all the bravado and all the facades and all the images that we project, our self-righteousness, our self-exaltation, our self-confidence. You look beyond that and you want me to be truthful and say that none of that is true. I am an undone man. I'm a man that has broken the seal of your favour. I'm a man that virtually spat in the face of the privilege of being God's servant. And you desire me to confess truth, and I confess that. And I cry out to you, purge me with hyssop, I will be clean, wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. So he adds these many, many prayers for cleansing. The first was, blot out my transgressions judicially, legally. Forgive me. And then he goes on to say again and again, wash me, cleanse me. And then he goes to say, purge me, wash me. And I want to again know joy and gladness. Sin will rob you of everything that is good and everything that is of God. The peace of God goes. The joy of the Lord that once was your strength, that's gone. Yes, when you are violating grace, when you treat the holy grace and mercy of God as an unholy thing and something to be disregarded, then you certainly know what it is to be in a terrible state of dread 
and joy and peace and all the fruits of the Spirit are absent. They've gone because you've entered into darkness and voluntarily. He says, oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I used to have a clean heart, but I faltered over the fact that I was not steadfast to that clean heart, that way of righteousness, the path of righteousness I once spoke of. And where did he speak of that? Well, he said, remember in Psalm 23, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then in Psalm 27, he goes beyond those days when he wrote Psalm 23 to when he was a boy. He said, one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, to behold you, Lord, in all of your glory. That was what made David great. That's what put him on the throne. That's what made him an anointed vessel. That's what got him the favour of God. Purity of heart. Create in me, oh, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then he goes on to say something which is very important for us to know. In verse 8 of Psalm 51, he says, And don't cast me away from your presence. Do you know, friends, that's hell. Hell is an absence of the presence of God. We have a spirit that is made to receive the spirit of God. We have a spirit within us that receives and is blessed and enlarged and instructed by the Spirit of God. And sin, when it is deliberate, when it is defiant, when it takes control of our lives, destroys that beautiful, wonderful haven that the Spirit of God makes our spirit, and we become absolutely darkened. And then we're capable of anything. Hardness of heart deliberateness in sin and of course we go into terrible bondage people ask me what uh, what is hell like and i've spoken on it on a number of occasions what is hell like well hell is the absence of god if you really want to know what hell's like go back to golgotha go back to the cross remember jesus agonizing on the cross praying for those that had so wickedly sought to slay him, those that had forsaken him, those that were jeering and couldn't have cared less about him. He said, oh, Father, forgive them. They just have no idea what they are doing, what they're participating in. And then further into that agony, not only physically, but spiritually, he cries, Oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When the scripture says he tasted death for every man, it was certainly the first death, which is physical. But he also tasted the second death, which is alienation and separation 
from God. I think describing that as a pig pen would be very, very, very lame and shallow. No one could describe the enormity, the darkness, the terrors, and the shocking sense of being alienated from God. We should turn over in the Psalms to Psalm 116 and have the testimony of the psalmist. And this we read. It's not David necessarily that wrote this psalm, but it might as well be, and certainly our testimony too. It says here, The pains of death surrounded me. Psalm 116 and verse 3 and verse 4. The pains or pangs of death surrounded me. The pangs of Sheol, that's the place of the dead, laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Deliver my soul out of the darkness, out of the jaws of the enemy. And then, of course, he goes on to say that the Lord did deliver me from death and my eyes from tears and my feet from falling. And now I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. How wonderful there is a testimony. The cry of David was heard. Now, the amazing thing is, he was transformed. He was cleansed of that sin. There are two factors regarding the forgiveness of sin. There is the legal side, the side where he was having his sins blotted out. What's that mean? It means those accusations that were rightly against him were now blotted out. They had been taken off the record. He is now a man that has no case to answer. He is acquitted. Oh yes, he is forgiven because of the grace, the mercy and the love of the God he once loved and now is being restored to love again. What a prayer what a confession, what a conversion, a restoration back to God. This he received in a pig pen. He says these words, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. And then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. The God of my salvation, oh God, you are just that. The God of my deliverance, the God of my salvation, the God of forgiveness. How marvellous that is. He states here in verse 17 of Psalm 51 something we should always remember. 
The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. With understanding and with love and tenderness, I've heard many people that have been restored out of darkness back into the kingdom of his dear son. And they're so grateful to be restored. They're so glad to be again walking with the Lord in the intimacy they thought was gone forever. And the first thing they say, I'll never do that again. I'll never sin again. I'll never stray again. I will serve the Lord. And there's great passion and there's great earnestness. There's great desire and there's great sincerity there. But you know, we're not able to keep ourselves from falling. We have to be kept by the power of God. We don't have it in our nature to be able to stay the course. No, it's his grace that is sufficient. It is the working of the Spirit within us that gives us gives you and me, gives us all the ability to walk in the light as he is in the light. David did recover. There were, sadly, implications in his family. When David had sinned and done so much, he made a series of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, and his family felt the impact of that. It was a divided family, it was a broken family. It was a defiled family. And there was a lot of sorrow that came. I think sometimes we think that when we're forgiven of sin and cleansed, and we are totally, completely and utterly, I think the danger is that we think, oh, well, that's that. There'll be no further repercussions. There'll be no further thing flowing on from those misdeeds and the foolishness of sin. That is not so, because many times words that were spoken in darkness are remembered by the darkened. And the sins that we commit are often still remembered. And so though we have peace with God, and that peace is absolute, and the forgiveness of God is absolute, Sometimes there are outcrops. There's something that will continue from that which happened. Our actions, our misdeeds, the words, the thoughts even that we expressed, the attitudes we had, that still has hurt people. And that's why restitution is so important. And of course, David knew that. He knew that he should put things right with people. He says, oh, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. In other words, I will testify to your grace. I will testify to your mercy. I will testify to this forgiveness. And in doing so, I will humble myself before all of those that I have sinned. And the terrible example that I gave, I will confess, I will repent, and I will seek 
to bless those that in some way, shape or form, I cursed and failed. May God bless each and every one of us and help us to live in the light of the glory of God. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you are. I don't know what you've become. But if you will repent, if you will acknowledge sin in your life, if you will call upon the name of the Lord in this, your day of trouble, the Lord will restore your soul. And that's what David did say in Psalm 23. He said these words, The Lord is my shepherd. He shepherds me along the way. And with him I am never in want. He restores my soul. May God restore you and the joy of your salvation and put your feet planted on that path of righteousness. Narrow though it be, it leads to life eternal. <music> 